and gentlemen, and welcome to the That's What She Said podcast. My name is Alexa. I am your host, and we are here in Studio 54 in Midtown Manhattan. I'm joined by producer Kyle. I'm joined by my brother Connor, who has decided to come up and be with us for the podcast. Austin, our audio engineer, is here, and our guest of the hour from CBS2 here in New York is Steve Overmeyer. Welcome, everyone, but nice. mainly welcome, Steve. Hi, oh, Steve. It's Hi, great Steve. to see you guys. How's everybody doing today? We have a yeah. packed house today. Yeah, we do. <laughs> a lot of people. You got a full table today. And I love it because the more voices on the podcast, it tends to get a little crazier. And sometimes we have mellow podcasts, but sometimes we can amp it up a little bit. I feel like we can amp up this one, so this will be really cool. I anticipate your brother just riling you up a little bit. So. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I uh, imagine the, the, the brother-sister thing. Are you tweaking her all the time? You know, do you have like a little dagger that you like to, you know, jab to, in her I try ribs to, a little? I don't want to hurt her feelings. No? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, I don't want to hurt my feelings. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure it goes back the other way, too. Totally. Oh, my gosh. I'll tone if, it down. I'll tone if it my down. sister and I did a podcast, I mean, I don't know if we would ever stop talking about our childhood. <laughs> I don't know if we, you know, if it would ever just get beyond that. And that's what I'm scared about, right? If we, <laughs> we start getting going down that rabbit hole, it could be a big problem. This is the first time he's on, and potentially. The last. Right. So, yeah. Definitely we the can last. edit all of this out. Yeah. yeah. So I want to start with the home run derby last night because mm-hmm. we do want to talk a little bit of sports on this podcast before we start uh, delving into my personal life. Steve, did you watch the home run derby? Are you into I, the home run derby? I didn't watch the home run derby. I'm really not into those kind of events. Okay. You know the the home run derby, the all star game. I mean those are those are for fans. You know, great for fans to to enjoy watching home runs. But you know, I mean, you said you loved watching. These guys hitting home runs back left and right, but at some point, it's the law of diminishing returns. You know, if you have, I love Krispy Kreme donuts, <laughs> but after about the third Krispy Kreme donut, it doesn't taste as good as the first one. So when I'm watching the home run derby, I see 25 home runs in the matter of of two hours, or maybe it's less. Actually, now I think about it, that's like two competitors are hitting 25 home runs. So you're seeing a hundred, two hundred home runs. Um, doesn't it kind of lose? A little bit of flavor. Okay, I, I definitely understand that logic, but to me, the competition is really what gets me going and what gets me into it. Okay. So if it's two guys competing against each other, which is what the format is now, it's basically a bracket format, and then one person advances, that to me is amazing because then you're actually watching a head-to-head competition, which you don't get to see very often in baseball. But it's not real. <laughs> it's that's that. I guess that's what separates it from me. Is that but I love you, competition but, as well. But what do you mean not real? It doesn't but count in the standings. It, real? It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, ultimately, I mean, one of the reasons I love watching sports is the stories, the, the the backstories, how you lay a foundation for an event that's about to happen. And even if it's a baseball game, these teams play 162 games a year, but there's always a story leading up to every single game. This pitcher had a bad outing last time. This hitter is on a roll. Um, And the story is uh, the preface, and then you have the game, which is the story, and then the epilogue afterwards, the post game. Mm -hmm. But it's always driving towards that one goal, at least you would hope for each one of these teams, and that's to get and to win a championship. It always seems to take on, at least that is the lingering flavor you'd like for these stories. Yeah. But with a home run derby and an all-star competition, I mean, okay, I get the all-star competition, at least the, the National League or the American League is going to win home home, home field advantage, but uh, it doesn't really have a lasting effect. It's, you know, it's it's fun. It's just fun for the fans. Okay, well, how about the storyline of Todd Frazier, who won it last year with right? the Reds, now with the White Sox, coming back to defend his title as home run derby champion. That doesn't do anything for you? No, It and Todd Frazier's career. Let's talk about Frazier's career yeah. and, and how he's kind of evolved as a as a player. Now, see, now that's the kind of story I would like to do. Now, so so I have covered a number of All-Star games, and when I would go to the All-Star games, it would be it would be a chance for me to sit and talk with one of these players and and really kind of shed some light on their lives, what they've endured, how they've gotten to this place. Because it, it is for these guys to to make an All-Star game, to to earn a trip to the Pro Bowl, um, that is a crowning achievement. You know, that's that's about the highest of highs, uh, apart from actually winning the championship. Right, right. It's the highest of highs of, like, say, individual efforts on, well, on yeah, an annual and those, basis. And those personal accolades become part of their story sure. as you go and unfold and, and tell their stories, right? Absolutely. But, uh, but be, to you, you're just not into watching them. You'd rather, <laughs> they're a footnote in the, in the bigger conversation. I know, you know, I was honestly, I'm, I'm, I was happy to be, I'm off on Mondays and Tuesdays, <laughs> and I'm really happy to be off on the, on the All-Star Week because nothing else is going on in sports. Right. You know, it's like the dead era it is. for sports. Yeah. 
All you could do is watch like an award show or something, possibly. Right, or like reruns of a show on Netflix or whatever you're trying to catch up on. <laughs> or start a new show on Netflix. Sure. Or, yeah. We're going to start The Americans soon, actually. I heard that's really good. I watched the first season. It was all right. Yeah. I, I just didn't get that into it. Do you watch TV? Do you do a lot of TV? Oh, man. What are you into? I'm, oh, well, I mean, Game of Thrones, yeah, Breaking Bad. Go. Just <laughs> go, go ahead and walk through, you know, all of the, the, the top, store, uh, top shows. Uh, recently, Ray Donovan, obviously, is one of my favorite shows. It is so good. That, Did you do Ray Donovan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, one, one's, uh, that one's amazing. I lo- it, honestly, I love good storytelling. I think that really kind of centers around... Well, and HBO does know, such a good job of that. HBO, AMC, they all do this amazing job of just telling stories. And sometimes, like, I like watching, like, documentary stories, too. Viceland has a lot of good stories on, on that channel, too. So, uh, and then, okay, my guilty pleasure. Oh, man, I can't believe I'm going to admit Oh, yeah, this. let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, Big Brother. I, really? <laughs> Hold on, wait, wait. Do you watch Big Brother After Dark, though? I, I, oh, my gosh. No, I keep it just no, on, like, in the middle of the day. By it's the a three-hour whip. For so those that don't know what Big Brother After Dark is, Big Brother After Dark <laughs> is when they leave the cameras rolling unedited, and you are just a voyeur peering into these right. people in their houses. <laughs> right. And for three hours long. For three hours. So, yeah, I'll record it every night. And in the morning, you know, when I'm getting kind of ready, I just kind of leave it on as a background to see, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. What did Day say to Zay? What oh was that about? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's man. So I, but I, what I love about uh, a Big Brother is just it's it's social involvement. It's social interaction. It's about the strategy of the game. But at the same time, you know, you have to be involved with you, you, the people that you're in this house with. I mean, these people are, are, are disconnected from everything outside of the house. Could you imagine how crazy you would go if you were in the same house with 15 people for 90 days? Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and that's the thing. We... We have this ability to connect with everyone via our, our smartphones at, at a moment's notice, uh, and we have this stream of information that continues to come through um, with our Twitter feeds and our Facebook feeds and what have you. Now, imagine if that all just stops, and the only feedback loop of information you're getting is through the social interaction you're getting with other people. Right, right. I, just, I find it fascinating to see what happens to each one of these people because yeah. ultimately their true colors— are kind of shown. You, I mean, you are very passionate about storytelling. You can absolutely <laughs> tell. So over the years, over the course of stories that you have told, do you have favorites of, of stuff that's really stuck out to you? Wow. Um, there are some that, you know, I mean, they, they really get to you. There are some that can really kind of tug at your heart a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, some guys are, are really inspirational. Um, you know, others, you just, you love to see someone kind of come from nothing and turn themselves, in, kind of like that rags to riches story. Mm-hmm. I think Victor Cruz is a perfect example of that. A guy who was a practice squad guy who made the roster you know, after a, a great preseason game against the Jets. Mm-hmm. You know, Rex Ryan famously said afterwards, I don't know who that number three is over there, <laughs> but if you don't keep him, I will. Right, right. And, uh, and then he turned into a, a, a superstar. Um, so I love seeing stories like that. I love, I think those are the classic stories. You know, mm-hmm. somebody came from nothing and he turned it into something. Um, you know, but boy, you just, you have so many stories that, that cross the gamut. And, and I think that's, that's what's so interesting to me about sports is you can't write these stories. You know, you, you can't write these stories, I should say, in a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it would Some of them would sound too unbelievable. Right, right. Uh, but when you see them in real life, it's almost like you, you don't believe it until you actually see it. And you actually do see that happen. It comes to life. Well, and that's kind of what I like about the Home Run Derby for me. It's watching a lot of the, you know, the day-to-day sports is is a grind for sure. Yeah. And these guys stay very focused, and sometimes they give very boring and monotonous pre- and post-game interviews. But when you see them outside of their element and goofing around a little bit, you see their personalities, that to me is exactly what fans love to see, that behind-the-scenes stuff. So for me, when I see them at the Home Run Derby joking around and I see them taking a picture at the plate, they all, um, who was that? Was that Stanton yeah, last Stan- night? Like yeah, all the of Marlins his, pit crew was pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, they all kind of came out. They gave him the towel. They were patting him down. They all took a picture together. And they were just having fun, just relaxing, like actually being normal humans rather than these robots See, and these athletes. There you go. So for to me, yeah, that's like a really important part of it. We were actually kind of ranking where we think the different uh, skills competitions fall in. For me, <laughs> it's this slam dunk contest. Are you into the slam dunk contest, Steve? I mean, I'll, I'll watch that because now, see, now that involves, see, to me, that has a little bit of an artistic element okay, to it. Okay, right. so there's this 
extra layer that you slather on top of the athleticism. I, mean, I, I think another reason why everybody likes sports is because, you know, you're watching these prime athletes at the, the height of their career. You're watching the best of the best uh, competing against one another. And now you add this little extra element of creativity. Now you see whether or not they've got a, a showmanship, you know, in them or if they have a little bit of an artist inside them that's waiting to come out. So, yeah, I'll enjoy this slam dunk competition okay. just to see what's going on out there. Yeah, that's my favorite. And then I think it's a tie between the three-point shootout and the home run derby, depending on who's competing and what the competition is. And then I think it's actually the hockey skills before the basketball skills competition. Because like we talked about in the podcast, I've really liked the hockey skills competition this year. I got into it for the first time. Yeah, I think you get more of that personality and the artistic showmanship in the NHL one than you do sort of with any of the others. I mean, the home run derby, you get a little bit of like the antics and I'm obviously in the slam dunk contest you get guys trying to jump over mascots and over cars and that's fun too but right. I love when the NHL guys come out and they they like replace the puck with a trick puck that when he hits it it explodes because he's supposed to hit it over a thousand miles an hour right. and they ride out like Superman or they uh, uh this year they were in Nashville a guy came down and took a stick and handed him a guitar and he just went and tried to hit the puck with like I like that sort of over the topness of the way NHL handles it compared to all the others it's like and one for NHL yeah they just they just try to <laughs> it's like, a video game they NHL heading to Rucker Park. They go to. They try to completely outdo each other with just a more over the top thing, kind of like the slam dunk contest. Because somebody's like, "All right, well, I'm going to jump over this mascot," and the other guy's like, "Well, I'm going to jump over a mascot on a hoverboard doing 360s, and we'll see how that goes." Right. And then you find out that they're jumping over the mascot because they got paid to jump over that mascot. So yeah. does that change your perspective at all? Does that change no, you know, your I, appreciation? Of I just the, like to watch the ridiculousness of it. So okay, I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite? Somebody puts on a Superman cape and jumps over someone, yeah. so that turns into an event. Do you have a favorite slam dunk from the um, contest? I think, you know, the classic Jordan, it's just such an iconic poster dunk. You know, I mean, he he jumped from nearly the free throw line and he cocked it back like that and threw it. I'm telling you, it was it was just a, it, I, th- I think Jordan's dunk from, from that year. Well, wait a minute now. Don't forget I'm thinking of Spud. Nate Robinson, too. Don't forget Nate, his just Nate was, yeah, ridiculous. You know, no, you know us, us tall guys, you know, we really appreciate when short guys like Spud Webb, <laughs> you know, can go in there and dominate someone like Dominique Wilkins. What was that, 1986? This is before all of your time. When You, you guys weren't even born, I don't one. think, at that time. I was one. I was 87. Okay, so you, were, I you, guys were, you weren't even born at that nope. time. Well, we've seen it a lot. Have you? Yeah, okay. they do a lot. Of, they get to do a good job of replaying the yeah. audio and the video and stuff. Yeah, ESPN yeah. Classics and basically the internet. So <laughs> My favorite one, since I'm a big dessert fan, was in 2008 when Gerald Green lit the cupcake, the candle on the cupcake, and then blew it out and then dunked the ball. That was amazing. See, I was like, where did showmanship you right there. I was like, where did you come up with that? It was, am- it was fantastic. And, you know, the creative element of thinking about that, you know, and then executing it to me, you know, right. the, the stickers, the jumping over the car. I love all that. I, I did like Blake so Griffin fun. going over the car. That was pretty yeah. great. With the guy in the sunroof throwing the ball up. Right. Like, that, was, that was good. I enjoyed that. And there the comes pictures. a point when you wonder whether or not these these dunks are like jumping the shark, if you will. Like, I can't wait for someone to actually roll out a big old tank with a shark in it <laughs> and literally jump over a shark wearing a Fonzie jacket. See, that's I'd, what I want I'd like see. it if they took it to I'm that I'm just extreme. giving tips out there for everybody. I'd like yeah. it if they took it to like that extreme of just taking taking yours and going for comedic value and it's like an actual small tank with a baby shark and they right. jump over it. And there then, you go. But it's, it's like a very lackluster dunk and there's just like this little tiny tonk and he's uh, boop. That's, and then that's, that's a yeah. drop the mic moment yeah. at that point. Or it's the shark from the uh, Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, yeah. oh, Katy Perry yeah. sharks. See, the <laughs> left shark. That. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. the one. The Katy Perry sharks. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Get a couple of those and jump over those. So that would be one. much more doable, I think. <laughs> exactly. Than a real shark and water. Well, no, on you the get like a little court. baby shark, it's like a foot long, and then you put like a three foot tank and it's just comedically sized. <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about. I don't need like a real shark. I don't want them to jump over a great white. We don't need people dying. I'm just talking like a little baby shark. It's about a foot long. Well, there's that element of danger tank. though that right. you don't want to lose. That? You know? Yeah, but I'd like the comedic value. I want like that just absurd, you know. It looks two sides. Crazy. Yeah. Whereas like, okay, he's just he just jumped over a three foot <laughs> tank. That- well, that's why Nate Robinson was always so entertaining. So after the home run derby, yep. the all-star legends and celebrity softball game was on. Okay. And I caught a couple minutes of it and I realized I've always wanted, so I've always wanted to be able to participate in something, one of these all-star events because I love it so much, right? And when I watch, and basketball is my favorite sport. So when I watch the all-star festivities for the NBA and I watch all the celebrities playing basketball, I'm not good enough at basketball to be able to ever be asked to play in that game. 
But then when the softball game came on, I was like, oh, shoot, I forgot that I'm, I actually played softball and I'm good enough, I think, <sighs> to eventually maybe one day be asked to play yeah, in that. We need to raise your star to get yes. to the level where you could play in that all-star, the celebrity all-star game. They had an SI swimsuit model, and I know I'm not an SI swimsuit model. That, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying they had the only two female representatives were an SI swimsuit model and Jenny Finch. Mm-hmm. Okay, so an Olympic athlete and then someone who has literally never played softball ever before in their life. Can she we find like a she medium ground? Once. No, she literally said, oh, "Okay, going to break." She was like, "Watch, guys, because I'm going to be playing softball for the first time ever." Okay, and I was I'll like, "Take it back." That sucks. Can we find a middle ground? Hey, can we find some random girl who does a podcast like randomly and put her on? Yeah, great. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what they need. Right. And uh, talk about a way to raise your profile. That's right. Just find a way to get into that game. So I feel like. Eventually, that that'll be something that oh, I, sure. I will I will get to, and I'm aspiring to. I tweeted it out last night. So well, this weekend, you also had your chance too, right? That's right. So we had the SNY softball uh, championships this weekend. Oh, is that right? Okay, you guys have softball teams now. A softball we league, do. a league. Well, it's a softball day. Let's. Well, it's a, it's a it's day, a right, day. right? It's a day. Okay, one okay. day. But it's it's a hardcore day. Okay. You get there at like 10 a.m. and you play till two. You only play that's two a, games. That's four, that's four strong hours of a game where you're standing around a lot. That is physical. Yeah. Steve, my obliques hurt. My quads <laughs> hurt. I'm really sore. The, the SNY softball game where it's you ask the question, is everyone at work as athletic as they think they are? Well, and that's so, where you get to find out, right? You have these guys, you're like, oh, he looks pretty powerful. He can probably hit, and he swings the bat like... You know, wussy. And then you're just like, why did we draft you second overall on our team? That's a big disappointment. But He and sold then you a bill of goods is what he did. Exactly. And then you have the flip side of the coin. Eric Coleman from the Jets played. Oh. And he was drafted way, way what? down on the, on the draft. This guy's a physical beast. He played yeah. in the NFL. How is he not one of the first picks I know, overall? because he kept going around the newsroom going, nobody should draft me. I can't hit the ball. I, can, I can't swing a bat. I can't do it. And how did that work out? He hit a home run <laughs> over the wall. Oh it went gosh. 50, 100 yards over the wall. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Just Athletes should always get drafted first. Yeah. And then he made a ridiculous catch in center field. I was playing, you know, that we played four outfielders, so we both played the two center field positions, and I literally just, like, stood there. I made, like, a catch or two, but he was like, hey, just go ahead and make sure you call me off if I, like, get into your territory. And I was like, I'm just going to stand here. I don't need to do anything. <laughs> you can take over. That's right. Now, the only reason you wouldn't draft, like, a retired athlete is if they have knee issues or a, 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 an ankle issue or maybe their back is is messed up in some way, shape, or form. Correct. And they're not the same player that they were. Eric Coleman looks like you know? he's in perfect physical shape. He is in yeah. perfect physical shape. It was unbelievable. Well, you oh, know yeah. from your days oh, working with Jets. Yeah, and, and Eric comes into the studio uh, all the time in, mm-hmm. at the CBS studios and uh, and does some uh, some Jets postgame stuff with us every yep. now and again, though I know he's with SNY. Full t- is he full-time with you guys now, or is he just for the Is it full-time or most time? Most time. most time. I think okay. it's most time. All right, so we can still steal him every now and again? I believe so, but we I'm probably not the person So, Kyle, can we set this up? With yeah, you, no, man. I'll uh, yeah, do it. We'll Take get him. my producer yeah. on it. Yeah, <laughs> Thank him. sure, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he's a physical specimen. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me that he was good. Um, Lukey Luke, I think with his back, I don't know if Ray Lucas would be. Ray Lucas the, didn't play. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Then. Yeah, right. Eric was the only former athlete, like professional athlete, who played. Okay, and he was amazing. Who and surprised you this weekend? Who was surprisingly bad? This is this is. Oh yeah, we got we got to know who didn't do too well. Yeah. Who was who was not good? We had an amazing team. Our mm. team was really stacked. We won back-to-back they did, championships. They did win. I heard about this. I we won back-to-back back championships. Okay. I was told. Okay, so who on the other team was yeah, let's, let's get, let's falling get a little bit of post-trash short talk of going. your expectations? I honestly didn't think that anyone wasn't that good. Did we see I producers mean, involved here? Yeah, so Dave Mandel, who okay. you remember, right. I'm sure, was fantastic. He He's, played the hot he was corner. on your team, right? Really? Yeah, yeah okay. He, he was our captain. Good. He made a couple diving stops, and he actually hit a home run over the wall. Okay. Him and Eric were the two that hit the, the over-the-wall home I'm, run. I'm trying to figure out who the big physical guy was an early draft pick that failed. I'm trying to identify who that one was. You know was. what? It was more last year <laughs> than this year. This year, I didn't feel like anyone on our team failed us in terms of their size and right. what our expectations were. But last year, <clears throat> one of the guys from upstairs in the studio, I don't, I don't know him that well, but I just know that he was drafted high and didn't meet expectations. Oh, yeah. You know, that's right. There were a couple of studio guys that play like some sort of a... Uh, 30, 40 plus baseball, and yeah. you would expect them to be pretty good at softball. Yeah, and okay. they weren't I necessarily. Could, I could oh, here's that. a here's a disappointment. Mm. Sal Licata pitched for us and walked five batters in slow the pitch softball. Accuracies. Was it, was it, it Sal? Was it five in a row or was it just five total? 
it was, I think, three in a row. Oh. And then he started getting into a little bit of a groove and then walked two more. Oh, he might have walked a run in. He might have also walked a run oh, in. Sal. Did yeah. Was he, like, confident, too? And like, he walked up and took part. the ball, like, at the start of the game? <laughs> oh, 100%. Oh. And uh, Gary Apple was playing shortstop. Okay. And Dave Mandel, who was our captain, was playing third. And I'm in center field watching the two of them discuss when to take Sal out <laughs> because it's getting ridiculous at this point. It's his third batter that he's walked. The two of them. Gary's like, hey, Dave, 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 you need to get in there. You need to get in there. He visited the mound twice before they pulled him out. It was unbelievable. I was like, come on, guys. This is like a real game. We need to get this guy out of here. It's terrible. Just, uh, I could see Gary being that competitive. And Gary plays yeah. basketball the now, second, so he's, he's actually a pretty good athlete. The second that he felt Sal was off, he was like, hey, Dave, Dave, come on. We need to get uh, in there. Dave, 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 let's have, let's have a conversation. Dave, we need to have a little, little talk. Uh, just little a, talk. a little bit of a pitching situation, Dave. Just uh, if we could. And he said, Dave, make an adjustment right here. And then we'll, uh, <laughs> There's no one I love on this planet more than Gary Apple. He's just yeah, he is unbelievably he's awesome. Great. And he sent Dave to pull Sal, and Sal said no. And so Sal stayed in the he, game. He said no. He said no. He I said, like, I like Sal trying to work out of the situation, though, just being like, no, I got this. And he eventually worked out of it. I mean, with some help. He, you know, we had some crazy offense in that game, but it was really fun. So, <laughs> uh, Connor, you were brought along to tell all of our listeners how great I am at softball. I've only and ever seen you strike out, if my memory serves me. No! Oh, wow. The brother puts on the brother hat all you, of a sudden. You obviously weren't watching when I was actually No, in all honesty, softball. Alexa is the queen of that line drive up the middle and that hard sprint to first base rounding first. Perfect. Yeah. Like that, that's totally what I That means I she's got a good her. flat swing that's yeah. going to uh, yeah. uh, give you a lot flat. of base hits. Yeah. At good OBP. Yeah. Oh, goes- great OBP. It's either going straight or it's going to the right because she's left-handed. Okay. I hook it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So I can hook it and get it out into the outfield. We're going to sell you and get you on this softball game next year. I would love it. And she's also very good at hitting my dad's knuckleball Mm. at at the beach. We play wiffle ball at the beach. Oh, that's right. I can hit the. Yeah, that's a good point. No one else could hit it. Alexa would get decent contact, so I'll give her that one. I'll give her that. I think knuckleball. I don't think it, nobody throws the knuckleball anymore. That was the one pitch when I was growing up that it was like if you can't throw 85 90 miles an hour, you can bust out the knuckleball. I learned how to throw the knuckleball when I was like 12 years old. Wow. I I love throwing the knuckleball. That was it's like the it's the go-to pitch. It's like the Ephus pitch. <laughs> anybody can throw it. If all you have to do is just practice and right. you can learn how to throw the knuckleball. But nobody does it anymore. It's it's not you know, it's not a major league pitch anymore. And why not, though? Why is it I mean, out? especially after R.A. Dickey, right. you know, won the Cy Young as a knuckleball pitcher. Right. You would think that that would be able to make some sort of return. But no, major league baseball is just in love with these 100-mile-an-hour fastball guys. And guys these eventually— guys who blow their, And by the way, those guys who throw knuckleballs aren't blowing their arms out. Well, that's the thing. You know? It's way easier on your arm, so sure. why wouldn't you try and turn to it? Absolutely. Or at least you have know? it in your, your you know, resume. Yeah, you're not repertoire. putting it in—exactly. Yeah, you know, you're not putting as much stress on your elbow, on your shoulder. Um, who was it? Mike Marshall— um, was a pitching instructor. He, form, he won the uh, the Cy Young back in, uh, gosh, I don't know, late 80s. He won the Cy Young, and he created a new pitching motion that relieves the stress on the elbow and the shoulder. And you watch the motion, and it's really funky. Like, it looks like, have you ever watched, <laughs> have you ever watched cricket? Have yeah. you seen these bowlers bowling cricket? They, their, their throw looks really awkward. It's an awesome it's game, by the way. It's a very similar throw. I love it. Bat. I think it's yeah. so cool. Cricket? I don't, I don't yeah, understand. I don't, I've never been informed of all the rules, so it's very hard for me to get in. I don't it. get it, but I, th- I love watching it. Do you? Yeah. I covered cricket a little bit when I was working. I worked at CNN for a little while. And, in Atlanta, uh, right, In right. Atlanta, and I filled in on World Sport, and <laughs> World Sport was broadcast to CNN International. And, of course, that meant that we were doing no football, no baseball, no basketball, nothing but soccer and cricket. Wow. Those were the two sports. And rugby. That was the other one. So I had, right. to, I had to brush up on, on the rules of cricket to make it sound like I knew what I was talking about when I was doing the games. Do you enjoy watching cricket? Yeah. I thought it was fun. The problem is some of them are just so long. They're like five-day tests. Right. That's what they, And they they last forever. You know, if you think baseball lasts a long time. Yeah, watch a cricket match. And watch a goes. cricket match. Exactly. They what? actually have a break for tea. No, they don't. Do they really? Yeah, two times, sure. What's, what's the object in cricket? Well, the idea is there is no foul ball. So you have a, a stick, a wicket, that the bowler, the pitcher, is trying to pitch this ball, which is a little bit bigger and a little bit heavier than uh, an American baseball. Okay. Um, and uh, you can bounce the ball up there. 
and you are, in effect, the batsman. You're holding what looks like the paddle that you were swatted with when you were a child, <laughs> you know, or yeah. if you were in, it looks like a fraternity, fraternity paddle. paddle. Yeah. <laughs> so your job is to keep the ball from hitting the wicket. You uh-huh. are the defender of the wicket. And when you, when the ball ricochets, it shoots off in any number of directions. You go to touch the other wicket, which is about, I don't know how many feet away it is. Maybe It's a, it's a good feet, sprint, yeah. Maybe 90, I'm not sure. And then you try to t- come back. And so you try to touch as many of those as possible before they bring the ball back in. And you're going back and forth between the two wickets. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. And it's like so, in kind of like a big oval circular field because, yeah. like you said, there's no foul. So wherever the ball goes. But there is a version of the home run. It's called a seven. If you hit it over this certain line, you get See, now you've seven. gone out of my realm of I know. Okay, there you go. We went to a cricket bar in Durban in, in, uh, in Africa. No way. When we had our honeymoon in South Africa, we spent some time, first of all, in Cape Town, and then we went on safari. But we spent a couple days in Durban, too, because we heard it was just a really interesting city right on the beach. And I was like, we haven't really got our fill of sports. Like, I would love to, you know, we tried to go see some matches and, and soccer and stuff in South Africa. And nothing was going on. And so he was like, my husband your was like. Sports, your sports knowledge was being depleted. It was. You needed Every something. Every time I'm overseas, I'm always like, where is the sports? Like, I need something. I need my fill. So we went to a cricket bar. And it was really cool. And people were really into it. But it's just like a sports bar here. Except for I didn't understand the game that was being played on TV. But everyone was pumped. So we got into it, too. You know, we didn't, we had no idea what was going on. But just being able to follow it and the excitement, the energy of the crowd was cool. I think what's cool about that is you honeymooned in South Africa. You went to Cape Town. You went on a safari. Yeah. That must have been awesome, too. Yeah. It was great. And, well, we have our we share our love of animals. Okay. So that's kind of what was a driving force for that. And I was like, to be able to go see animals in their natural habitat, especially right. animals that I've never really, you know, I've never Would gotten never to see never have before. an opportunity to see a pride of lions yeah. anywhere. Yeah. And, yeah, it was a fantastic, super romantic and, and great. <laughs> we loved it. Yeah, South Africa. That's I would go back in a heartbeat. Cape Town was beautiful. We went to Robben Island where Nelson Mandela, you know, where his cell was, where he was jailed. And that was very moving because the tour that's given of his jail cell and of the prison is from is by a former inmate. Oh, wow. So it's somebody who could say, oh my I was there with Nelson Mandela no and kidding. this is what happened. So it's a very first-hand account of everything oh. that went on. Yeah, it was very I, powerful. I love that your trip included a little bit of history. Yeah. Every time I take a little vacation, I want history to be involved in it as well. Like, I, I took someone to uh, to Cancun once, and it was like, yeah, yeah no, we're going to Cancun. It's going to be a great it's gonna be a, a great five days in Cancun. Meanwhile, I had a trip to Chichen Itza, one of the uh, the earliest pyramids that were ever created in mind. So we, had, we spent an entire two days going to Tulum and Chichen Itza, some of these old ruins. That's awesome, I, I'm though. Such a, I'm a huge fan of history. So where else have you gone that you've gone to? Have you, do you do sports history, too, or just regular, you know? No, just, just world history. World history, yeah. yeah. Well, the problem is... Every every job I've had, I really can't take more than a week's vacation. So mm-hmm. I have not actually been to Europe. I I, I have this whole list of places I want to go uh-huh. in Italy and in Barcelona and Greece. I, I have not seen any of this, and I, I I'm just waiting for a job that will allow me to leave for more than a week or so at a time. Well, that's the grind, right? And yeah. you've been on the grind for a really really long time. You started as as a sports director in Florida, right? Oh, that was a funny story, how I ended up becoming the sports director there. How did that happen? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I was 20 years old. Mm -hmm. I just just out of college, 20 years old. And finally, I uh, I got a job where I didn't have to work like three jobs to make ends meet. And um, I get in, and I want to say the the second day I was there, the sports director, the main guy – Asked me, so uh, so where are you from? You know, we're just kind of catching up. And he threw out there, so how much are you making? Man, I'm a kid. I didn't know that this was something that wasn't supposed to be said. <laughs> so I told him exactly how much I was making. I said, I'm making 23000 What? You're making 23000 You know, that's only $3,000 less than me. I've been asking for a raise for years, and I can't <laughs> believe it. So we stormed into the news director's office, and he demanded a raise of $4,000 or he quits. And the next thing I knew, the news director comes and knocks on my door. This is two days into my job. And she says, uh, Steve, um, I don't know if this was your plan, but congratulations, you're sports director now. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just forced gumped my way into becoming sports that director. That is amazing. You, you essentially got that guy to quit <laughs> on the quit. spot. Wow. What a plan. I, I know. And I, in hindsight, I should have said, does that mean I get a raise? <laughs> That's right. Well, they kept that $4,000 the same, was, the same, same right? it was the same salary. 
So what did you learn from there? What oh were your experiences gosh. like in Florida? That was, you know, I, I think I learned a strong work ethic growing up in, in small town Indiana where, you know, you have a different value of a dollar mm-hmm. and what a, what a dollar means. I spent an entire summer working with my dad. My dad was a professional drag racer at a time and then he turned into a body man. Um, so I worked in the body shop for an entire summer and my reward after not getting paid for an entire summer was he bought me a car. Wow. But it was a it was a, it was a 1979 Chevette that he bought for $310. <laughs> and we fixed That's it awesome. up and it looked nice. <laughs> That's it looked great. awesome. But I you know I mean I so I learned the the value of a, a strong work ethic at a in a small town at an early age but it wasn't until I got to Fort Myers where I learned how to incorporate that into this business. Right. You know Always be prepared. Always look ahead. Look a couple of days ahead. Look a week ahead. We, I, we, I created a calendar, like one of those wall calendars that's still there today from what I understand. Um, you know, one of those, uh, uh, the whiteboards. Uh-huh. And we're always putting notes up there on what we've got going on this week, what we have going on that uh, Did you next bring week. that to all of your other jobs? Uh, no, not not as much. But it, you but, kept but it that started one, in Fort yeah, Myers. That was really important because I will say... The years that I worked in Fort Myers, honestly, I don't remember days off. I remember on my weekends, I was Monday through Friday, and on my weekends, on Saturdays during the football season, I would travel to either Miami or Tallahassee or Gainesville to cover one of the major football programs. And then on Sunday, it would either be Tampa Bay Bucks or the Miami Dolphins, and I was shooting the video as well. So I learned at that market how to do everything. I learned how to shoot, to edit, to write, to obviously anchor, to report. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even learned how to TD, uh, technical director. I, I learned how to, to run the board. Yeah. There was one time that the board director, the guy who ran the board, and the, uh, um, the producer, I'm not going to say their names, but uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they did not get along. Uh-huh. And my, Mike, gosh, Mike just said, I've had enough. I'm done. I'm out of here. And he walked out. And we still had five minutes left to go in the newscast, and weather hadn't gone yet, and nobody knew how to set the chroma key for the weather person. And we had like 90 seconds coming out of break to do weather. So they asked, does anybody know how to set the chroma key? I'm like, I do. So I ran offset, jump into the hot seat, and I punched up the chroma key. In the last five minutes of the show, I was sitting at the technical director spot punching the show. Wow. Because you just, I feel like in a small market, what I loved about a small market is you learn the nuances of the business. You learn how to handle everything. And when you see the big picture, when you see how it all comes together, it not only helps you become better at your job, but it, it helps make everyone around you better as well because you know what they need. You know, you know the editor needs a multitude of shots, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you for cover video. Um, and they need time to put this together, so don't hand it to them 20 minutes before you go on air. So right, time right. management. I mean, I just, I learned a ton, you know, when I was in a small market. Well, and being in Florida in general, Florida is crazy. Like, they have their own news cycle because the people down in yeah. Florida are just insane. And then Florida sports is is. <laughs> that much crazier. Right. Did you have any sort of, you know, wild experiences or any, you know, who was the athlete that was the craziest that, you know, oh kind of represented Florida for you? I have so many awesome experiences from, from Fort Myers because in Fort Myers, a lot of things I did, it was the first time that I did it. The first time I covered an NFL game was at, uh, at old Joe Robbie Stadium. The Miami Dolphins were actually taking on the Jets <laughs> at the time. Uh, and Dan Marino... Again, I'm dating myself. This was 1994, maybe? Uh-huh. Dan Marino just throws a touchdown in the final few minutes. It's Now, at the time, media, this is obviously pre-9-11, media were allowed on the field in the final five minutes of the game. So at about five minutes left to go in the game, they'd walk us all down, we'd walk through the tunnel, and we'd emerge onto the field. Mm-hmm. Well, I stepped up to the top step of the dugout. At the same time, this was at Joe Robbie Stadium where they, it was a baseball field at the same, at the same time. Uh, I stepped up to the top step of the dugout at the same time that Dan Marino threw a touchdown. And when I hit that top step, 80,000 people go, ah. And I just, I felt like I was, I'm like, this is it. I could feel, I could feel the cheers raining down. I was like, this must be what it feels like to be an athlete. I wow. loved it. And, and, and at, in the college games, you could actually stand on the sidelines for all the football games. And I was, in, as a reporter, I was in the back of the end zone for a Florida State, Florida game. 
It was either Florida State, Florida, Florida, Miami. And in front of me was uh, the after after Miami. I think it was Miami just scored a touchdown. And in front of me, receiving the kick was Warwick Dunn and, and, and Rock Preston. Those were their two kick returners. Well, the kicks bounced in front of him, and it sailed over his head. Well, I'm still writing my notes down in the back of the end zone, and the ball just comes right to me. <laughs> and so I caught it. And I took an E, and I just got tossed it to the oh official. <laughs> but nothing is nothing is as bad. Oh my gosh! I have so many stories that I could share with you. From yeah, first, I mean, okay, this first, is what we're here for. We my love first live shot. Stories. My first ever live shot. Again, I am. This was two weeks after I had just became the sports director in Fort Myers, Florida, and they said you're going out on a live shot. And, and Fort Myers is maybe market seventy nine. There are about two hundred markets in the nation. Seventy nine is a pretty good sized market. And to start at market seventy nine, I'd never done a live shot before in my life. And I would imagine everybody that had been there had done a live shot. Mm-hmm. And I was so afraid. I didn't want to ask anybody, how am I supposed to do this? I, I, my entire history had been writing my scripts up on prompter and reading prompter. Now I've got it. What am I supposed to do? Memorize this? I guess I will. So I spent the entire day memorizing my entire five-minute sportscast out on this live shot. Uh-huh. Harry Horn, the news anchor, tosses it out to me. Uh, we head out to Fort Myers Miracle Ballpark where uh, the miracle of signed local boy, Doug Minkavich. Steve. And he took my first line, man. (laughs) He just snatched it right out from under me. And it was my jumping off point. The Fort Myers miracle of signed local boy done good, Doug Minkavich. And I said it. And then I was so proud to actually say Doug Minkavich's name correctly. I'm patting myself on the back. Everything goes blank. I mean, it is like whiteboard blank. It's like when a hypnotist tells you you don't have have anything between (laughs) your ears. Dude, that's what it was. I looked like deer in the headlights. I I sat there for a good three to five seconds in stunned silence, just looking dead into the camera. And the the photographer, Tom, looks at me like, oh, no. (laughs) Like, they've seen this before. (laughs) It's like, we're about to see a train wreck right now. We're about to see, you know, you can't take your eyes off of it. should be like there should be like a channel for for newbies who go on air and and honestly have never and and you see that deer in the headlights kind of a look uh where they have no idea what they say and i just looked at him i said oh is my mic good check one two is that a good check audio check yep we good you just let me know when you're ready i'll be i'll be right over here when you're ready to go live i've got the producer yelling in my ear she go you're live you're live right now go go (laughs) i should have won an academy award for just pretending like nothing was going on (laughs) yeah i'm right here yeah that was and uh, Tom, the photographer, sitting there with his arms outstretched, like, "What the heck is this? Can he not hear me? Why can we not hear him?" The, the main anchor, Harry, says, "Well, apparently we're having uh, technical difficulties, and uh, we'll get back to Steve in just a few minutes." <laughs> Meanwhile, the truck operator clearly could see the VU meter was bouncing on my IFB. He could clearly see; I could hear everything that was going on. He knew just what I was doing, and oh he's been in the business. He's like this sixty-year-old guy who'd been in the business for you know. 50 years probably yeah. uh, and he just said kid that was brilliant <laughs> <laughs> that's an amazing escape oh my god it was it was an escape they ran promos and then then they ran so many promos they ran through the commercial break i didn't even have to do the sports cast that day <laughs> so they never even tossed it back to me it was great i do know what that feeling is like though when you're going live, so you have to memorize something, and your first line is taken from you. Oh, my gosh, right? Because you're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to memorize something, right, no, line for line for line. That's so ridiculous. You're supposed to memorize a couple bullet That's points and learned. then be able to write. Exactly. exactly. But when you're first you know, figuring it out and you just have this chunk of knowledge memorized and all you have to do is stare into a camera blankly and recite it and somebody like messes it up for you, you are then lost. You have no idea where to go <laughs> no, from there. You feel, the thing is you feel so disconnected yeah. because you are looking into a camera um, and it just, it, it's, it's so difficult to try to formulate your thoughts. So that's when I learned it doesn't matter how you start. Yep. It, all that matters is that last line. Yep. You know, just have that last line nailed because once how you meander your information, all you have to do is find you got to know what your goal is. You got to know what your finish line is. And if that finish line is and Carlos Beltran is an all-star once again, then just know that that's how you're going to end it. Yep. How you get there is no entirely one can take that up to away you. from you, right? Right. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> can take that away from you. Exactly. Right. So is that your uh, your biggest like 
oh my gosh moment oh. that where you screwed up or were there others where you've learned from? Oh, and, countless. And- I'm just so glad that YouTube wasn't around back then. <laughs> I guess you're yeah, a little bit that lucky. Was, yeah, that. Oh my gosh, I, I, I wish I would have been able to hang on to all of those. It, I probably, when I first started this business, I made that kid from Ball State, the uh, Boom Goes the Dynamite kid. I made him look like, uh, made him look like Keith Olbermann. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was that bad. That kid's classic. We love that kid now. Right. He's like a superstar, <laughs> but he was so terrible at that broadcast. Oh my goodness. Everyone's got to start somewhere, Alexa. That's right. <laughs> so, okay, so from Florida, then you go to Phoenix, correct? Yeah, I went to Phoenix. And what was Phoenix like for you? Phoenix was Phoenix was great, you know. It was, I thought that I was going to spend the rest of my career in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. It was the first time that I felt like, okay, now I've, I've landed. I, you know, I was a, a reporter in Phoenix and I was, you know, on a daily basis covering the Suns and the, um, uh, and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, and at the time, the Arizona Diamondbacks as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just started in 1998. Um, and I just, I felt like that was going to be my landing spot. You know, I loved the community. I loved the weather. <laughs> uh, everybody said that it was, you know, it's 114 degrees, but it's a dry heat. It's 114 degrees. So there's no difference. It doesn't yeah. matter hot if it's hot. dry it or matter. not. It yeah. is super hot. But I, I love being able to just take a two-hour drive north to Flagstaff, and you're up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I, I love that whole community, but it didn't work out. And, you know, that's, that's how this business goes sometimes. Sometimes um, where you think you're going to be, you end up someplace completely different. And you were there for four years, right? Four years. Made At- some great friends. I'd say still some of my, my best friends in the business uh, live in Phoenix right now. Yeah. How about athletes or coaches? Anyone you got particularly close to or yeah. really fond of? One I still stay in contact with uh, almost every month. I would say Simeon Rice. He played defensive end for the Arizona Cardinals uh-huh. back in the day. We just and this was at the time when the media could actually travel. We're actually traveling with the team. So when the Cardinals and at the time the Cardinals were playing in the NFC East against teams like the Giants uh-huh. and the Redskins and the Cowboys. Yeah. You remember when they were back then? That was. Again, that might have been before your time, but it was was late 90s. We would have to take all of these cross-country trips almost every other weekend. And um, and I would be on the flights, and I'd I'd end up sitting next to Simeon, and we would just talk. Just philosophy, life, history. It wasn't even football. We didn't talk football. We talked everything. Uh Filmmaking. He's turned into an amazing filmmaker. He just released a a film that went nationwide uh, um, about two or three months ago. We had him on the show, and... It was one of the best interviews I think I've I've ever had because wow. he's just so honest and open and he's such a What's the intellectual. Film about? Um, it was a film I think it was called Uncharted. Okay, I think it was called Uncharted, uh, Unsullied, Unsullied. Thank you, uh, um, thank you, left side of the brain for helping me remember that. Um, <laughs> I keep, I'm thanking my brain. Um, <laughs> That's what we do on the podcast. I was going to ask you guys ever do that. <laughs> No, that's no, just that's, that's never happened. You're the, you're the only never. one so far who has thanked their brain on this show. There's a first for everything. We've well, got that down. You know, we're breaking new ground. Yeah, I've you actually know, made a note of it just now. If you want to uh, to create a podcast that's different, you know, you got to start someplace else. Absolutely, someplace else. But yeah, he created a film that was released nationwide about uh, uh, three or four months ago, and it was it turned out to be really good. What's it about? It was about this woman who was kidnapped, and uh, she was being used as sport to be chased in a hunting sport. Uh, so these, uh, this group of like Southerners, you know, like to bow hunt humans and, uh, and would kidnap them and then set them free in the forest and then track them down. Oh my goodness. Right. So it's a, no, it's a, it's a really, yeah, sweet film. Oh yeah. And it's a good rom-com. It's a comedy. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. There's a really cute meet greet in there. It was really <laughs> cute, but. <laughs> I'm sure the soundtrack is adorable. <laughs> right. So, okay, so from Phoenix, do you come to New York after that, or was there uh, a no, stop in between? No, I was at CNN for a little while. That's right, in Atlanta, right, right. I spent right, some right. time in Atlanta at mm-hmm. CNN, um, and that was, um, that was really interesting. That's, that was the first time. I, now, one of my summers when I was back in Indiana, I spent working in a factory mm-hmm. with my mom, um, and that was the first time I felt like in this business you are working in a factory. Mm. When I was there at CNN, because it was CNN headline news, and you were doing updates every twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and it you know it was as it, for six hours, and you're doing them live 
you know, on air, and you're you're using basically the same information. You're just regurgitating it in different ways. There's only so many ways you can write the same story. Yeah. Um, and it just it lost its punch for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it lost its life. It just it lost all saturation. Did you, you have any contact with athletes and stuff, or it was just at the factory? No, that's the other thing too. Is yeah. that you know you were locked into this studio. And you were just delivering the news. So the well, only the storytelling part of you died, yeah, right? It or did. at least, you know. Yeah, I wasn't able to go and gather anything. Right. And that's what has, you know, finally resurfaced here in New York and why I'm feeling so much more comfortable. It's been 10 years I've been here in New York now. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if I ever want to live anywhere else. So what brought you to New York from CNN? Just that you weren't happy there? It, yeah, and it was the chance to live in New York. I, I think I, I was always told, my grandma once told me, you know, live in New York once. You're going to love it. Yeah. And I, she was right. You know, I, I, I can't not, how can you not love being in the center of the universe? Now, and I grew up in a car family, by the way. Family with people who loved cars. Cars were your second identity, if you will. Do you love cars? Are you a, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Are you a NASCAR guy? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, nice. Big NASCAR guy. Grew up in Indiana. Awesome. Yeah, so NASCAR, open-wheel yeah, racing, no, Indy cars, I, sure. I think it's just like a Well, sometimes a it could be drag racing over, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't really get in, into NHRA nearly as much. Um, I don't know why. It, it it wasn't as interesting to me. Okay. But it, but NASCAR, I really get into the strategy of NASCAR, too. Got it. Um but moving to New York, now I don't have a car. That was the first. That was my biggest concern. I've got to sell my car, man. I love my car. Was I don't want the same to sell my car. No, it was thankfully no. <laughs> that car had been wrecked, unfortunately. Uh, but no, I, I I had to sell my car, and I, I you know I, I ended up selling it to a friend. So at least I knew it went to a good home. That's good. Uh, but but yeah, but here now now my car is a, a yellow cab. That's the best car in the world. Yeah, it <laughs> you is. know, you don't have to worry about parking. You don't have to worry about insurance, sometimes hitting anybody it, else. Sometimes it's well, you've got a car in the city, it. and I just don't understand it. Do you really? Yeah, I do. Well, because I have to get to City Field. But well, th- there's a train that takes you to City Field. I know, too. but Long Island Road and the Seven. But That's but right. The LIR gets yeah. you there in like ten minutes. But Sorry. I'm on the yeah. screen every half inning, so if you're recognizable, and you're, then you're on the train with a bunch of drunk, you know, fans. It's true. Work. It would be different okay. for her than, you know, say, I take the train to City Field when I go to the games. But that's, you know, You're but again, a it's, guy, though, that's I'm right. A woman. I think that's it. That's the biggest part, too. Because okay. guys aren't, for, if you see someone you may recognize on television walking the streets, you're probably not going to say anything. Oh, I but do. But if it's a oh, I see Hank I saw, I saw Samantha B walking down and I was like, hey, love your stuff. Okay, I was now, like, it's awesome. You're the best. Okay. And she's like, thanks. Okay. So I live down around by Alec Baldwin. I've seen him a couple of times on the streets and I've seen this look in his eye. When he sees me and he sees like this this look of recognition, he has a look that just says, don't even dare. Okay, well, if they have don't that look, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I see Hank Azaria all the time in our neighborhood. Uh-huh. Like, I've seen him at least six or seven times walking and on the subway. Yeah. And I'm such a huge Simpsons fan, but yeah. he always looks like he's just doing stuff. And I just don't want to bother him. I'm just like, that's Hank. And yeah, I'm just exactly. Gonna, like, I'm just kind of like, yeah, let him like, go. I, I mean, want to be like, uh, Mo is awesome, and in every movie I've ever seen you, and you've always been hysterical, but yeah. I just want to I want to leave him alone. No, I mean, I love Jim Gaffigan and Louis C.K., and I've mm-hmm. seen both of them in our neighborhoods, and they're usually with their kids or grandkids or something, and, you know, they have chocolate all over their hands, and I, I'm, I'm not going to bother them if I feel like they don't want to be bothered, but Samantha B. was just walking with a backpack, and I felt I was very unthreatening because I was with my dog. See, you're unthreatening, Walking by, right. But, you know, I think a, a man walking up, first off, and the second thing is, we don't want to be L.A. You know, L.A. Right. are, the people will, will, will gravitate towards all of those stars. Right. I think one of the best things about New York is that you can be a, a De Niro, and you can walk the streets, and people will just kind of, like, leave you alone. Yeah, you're just kind of part of the common people. You know? Yeah, I do like that. Yeah. Well, except for me, where I'm just, like, pointing at You really just want to get noticed every out. now and then, right? Too. No, I don't want to get noticed. Do you have I to take a selfie? I want to notice other people and then say something to them. Did you take a selfie with Samantha B? No. I don't, okay, well, I don't you wanna, didn't cross that line I don't at need least. To, no, I don't need to show other people that I did it. I don't even think I even told anyone. Honestly, this might be the first time I Except even mentioned it. Except for everyone that, who will listen to this just <laughs> Right. This might be the only time I mentioned it, though. I didn't, like, I didn't go home and be like, oh my gosh, Peter, I just saw Samantha B. I just like that she knows that there's somebody out there that appreciates her work. And, and I think with someone, knows. like at that level, you know, In case she was wondering, B. I wasn't feeling good about herself. <laughs> Just have a hit show or anything, right? right? right. <laughs> Samantha B might not be at like the A list celebrities, might not be at the top, but yeah. she she might be someone that is in newly crowned a, a celebrity. So yeah. she might still be in that honeymoon phase where she really appreciates people coming up. Yeah. And, you know, patting her on the back and telling her how great she is. That's true. You know, there's some people who just would not want that at all. 
Some right. people don't want interacting with fans. Yeah, like I was, you know? I was eating at a yeah. diner across the, and like right next to me was Ethan Hawke, and I love Training Day. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Like same with just about everyone, I assume. And he's there with his kid, and I wanted to be like, your performance is awesome, and I thought that movie was great, but you're also there feeding your like six year old child. And I'm just gonna be like, all right, I've seen him, and I'm, I've had enough. Like that was that was it for me. Well, also, I, I, he might appreciate the change because it's probably like teenage girls for his entire life have been coming up to him. Like, oh, yes. oh my god, you're Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't look anything like a teenage yeah, girl. Yeah, he must really? really love a big hairy man coming up yeah. and telling him how much he loves him. Yeah. <laughs> just like unshaven, just like you're, <laughs> you're awesome. His poor kids like get out of here. Oh, who is this slightly homeless looking man? Make him go away. <laughs> You could, you could sell it like if you came in a clown costume then. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> that might even be creepier. That, that I'm not sure. Yeah. Depending You'd on the phobia like of the kids. Yeah. God. I don't own any clown costumes if we're avoiding this forever. Please don't ever own one. I won't. See, are there any celebrities that you want to meet? Mm, let's see. Uh, president Obama. Is that a celebrity? I guess totally. So. Yeah, I yeah. Guess, I guess he would be a celebrity. Is it mm-hmm. weird now that we consider like the president a celebrity? No, because we consider... The the stupid guy running for president is a yeah, but he was actually celebrity. a celebrity before this, like just based upon not as big though. He has a TV show. That's what made him a celebrity. Oh, right. I would say, and then there's that whole litany of list of like the top five, like Emmanuel Shrieky, Kira Knightley. You know the uh, the the women in in entertainment that you'd love to meet. You're looking at me with a blank stare like, hmm, I've never even thought about meeting these women because they're attractive. no. I, I, I don't I, think Kyle knows who any of those people are. No, Kira Knightley, of course. Oh, okay. Well, why were you looking like that? I, no, I mean, I, I guess I, I did wanted lead to hear off with his, I wanted to hear his, not, No, I mean, she was on... Um, Entourage. Entourage, right, right, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, everyone's got, like, their list of favorite female celebrities, or I guess if, you know, you're a woman, your list of, like, five male celebrities you'd like to just I want to meet with. two. Yeah? I want to meet Tom Hanks, and I want to meet Joshua Jackson, who's Pacey from Dawson's Creek. He was in a lot of other stuff, too. Was he? But, yeah. Bones. You ever saw that movie? No. Bones. Skull. Whatever it was called. No. The Affair. The Affair, yeah. That show on, what was it, HBO? Showtime. Showtime. That Showtime show called The Affair. And I heard Tom Hanks was just a, a wonderful individual. Like, he would be someone that you would have a great oh, time. Oh, my gosh. I would Bill love Murray. to meet him. Bill Murray oh, would Bill be Murray another would be great. great guy. I Honestly, met Bill Murray. Did you really? I interviewed him at a basketball game. So his son coaches college basketball. Oh, that's right. At uh, They were in the NCAA tournament this year. They uh, got upset in the final seconds. I can't yeah. remember who it was. URI, now. University of Rhode Island. Rhode is Island, where, okay. Yeah, where he coaches. Well, he used to coach at Wagner in Staten Island, which is where my first on-air job was. And my producers were always like, hey, so Bill Murray comes to a bunch of these games to watch his son coach, but he doesn't want to be bothered. We don't ask him for anything, sure. so leave him alone. And I was like, okay. My second season there, though, after seeing him for a couple times, I was like, hey, guys, I kind of want to ask Bill if he'll come talk to us. If he says no, he says no, but, like, I- I'd like to at least try. Yeah. And they were like, uh, I don't know if that's a good idea, but, like, okay. And I went up to him, and I was like, listen, I know you get approached all the time. This is my second year doing this. I don't particularly know what I'm doing, but I'd love to interview you, and I want to keep it about your son. I don't right. necessarily, if you want to plug something, that'd be great, but I, we're not going to go into Groundhog Day. Right. We're going to talk about you watching your son and, and promo you know, your son coaching basketball and the team and stuff. And he was like, yeah, all right, we can do that. Okay. So he comes over, and we're standing there waiting for them to throw it to me, and the look on his face is just like, I don't want to be here. He oh, just looked no. looks so upset. And now I'm freaking out because this is like my first live interview, essentially. They're going to throw it to me. I don't know how long they're going to give me. I don't know what I'm supposed to ask him. I didn't prepare any questions because I didn't no! even think he would say yes. And he said, let's do it now. And he was like, like, yeah, sure, I'll come down. So I was like, okay. So they come to me and I'm like, hey, so uh, we've got a guest here. I'm here with Bill Murray. Hi, Bill. And he's like, hi, Alexa. <laughs> and I'm like, what's wrong? And he's like, well, you know... Everyone is just like uh, staring at you because, uh, and it's drawing a lot of attention to me, and I don't really like attention. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so we kind of tried, we like worked through it, and we like kind of got him talking. And then I got him talking a little bit about, you know, him growing up a Bulls fan and then watching his son and how his son got into basketball and how he likes the fact that his son actually has a job where he wears a suit and tie to work. And it ended up actually being, they gave me well, like see, eight minutes on air. It was <laughs> unbelievable with Bill Murray. Well, see, why I think you're really good on the sideline reporting is you're very in the moment. And I think that. One of the things that reporters tend to lose is they lose the the moment 
um, when they're trying to do an interview. They have questions set aside. I want to ask, you know, uh, you guys were out-rebounded by 10. You know, what, what happened there? Uh, you, you, you went on a, a 15-4 run in the second half. What was going right? You're so focused on asking the question that you're not appreciating the moment. And I think that when you are in the moment when you're asking these questions, when you're doing these interviews, it comes across as so authentic. It's authentically you. It's, it, and it gives you even more credibility. To go along with that. Well, I appreciate that. I only had the moment because I had zero questions prepared. So see, but see I how had natural to the moment in. because that was the only thing I had. See what a good piece that ended up turning <laughs> and into. And it was. It was really cool. And I still get asked about it today because I only have a small clip of it on my reel. And people are like, I want to see that whole interview. Right. So I'll have to post it uh, eventually at one point. What um, When you came <laughs> to New York, what was the hardest transition for you from Atlanta? Oh. Was there a hard transition? Uh, yeah, space. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Living space. I came from a 3,000-foot home in Atlanta. You know, we had like a living room and, you know, we had, we had three bedrooms. It was this monstrous place. And now, you know, I moved to New York by myself and I, I, I mean, I, I couldn't believe how small these apartments were. Yeah. I had to, it was like the purge. I had to I had to kill a lot of my pieces. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, I had to just go ahead and take a knife to them and throw them out. Um speaking um, of knives, you have I have it on good record that you actually you actually own swords. Oh yeah, gosh. How do you know that? Yeah. I have secret uh yeah, yeah I have uh, uh, all kind of intel. Well, yeah. Why yeah. why do you own swords? Do you well, have a fascination with swords? I guess not just not swords. I I have like a katana. I was maybe the one that I got was I was I'm a big fan. I I am a big fan of TV. Okay. I'm a big fan of sci-fi. Okay. Um and Highlander it was one of my favorite TV shows. There can shows. be only one. There can be only one. Yes. Uh, I have no idea what you guys oh are talking about. Oh, my God. We're going so nerdy right now. Oh, man. I'm, yeah, I, I had a nerdgasm when I went to, like, one of those uh, uh, Comic-Cons, and I saw— Do you saw, dress up? No, I haven't yet, but— <laughs> Are you reporting? I may, I may be thinking about it this next time. I feel like you should. It's coming if you're not October, reporting, right? you might as well. I might as well. But who do, I, who do you go as? The thing is, I don't look like any of those guys. You actually have to go to Comic Con this year. I it's just go. a fun environment. I do want to go. I, go, I do want to go. I, I, and I, I would dress up. Crazy. I used yeah. to dress up all the time for Halloween, like in school and stuff. All the girls would be like, "We're going as cheerleaders," and I'd be like, "No, I'm going as Storm." And I would literally like deck myself out as Storm. She by could myself. totally pull off Daenerys. Oh, Daenerys yeah, Stormborn totally of the House Targaryen. But that's like so typical, right? Like, oh, you're a blonde girl, go be yeah, Daenerys. But, okay, you got you got to play with what you've got. If yeah. you go to Comic Con, you're going to see a lot of multiples of everything and people right. were just like what do I have that already is ready to go I want to be like a fembot or something see I can't be Darth Vader or Chewbacca those are two yes you can they're giant costumes you just put yourself in it <laughs> I'd be just, wearing just spend like $3,000 on a costume right. just go why for not? it yeah, that's right. Right. you I, could if I'd you have to be to. like a Han Solo oh, you know yeah, something as simple that. as that you know or yeah. Clark Kent <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Uh, Clark Kent wouldn't be a bad one. Yeah. yeah. Just put some glasses on. Yeah. And uh, you literally have to put a Superman here. shirt under the shirt you're currently That's wearing. That's right. And, and then yes. like glasses. half unbuttoned, just right. like white shirt, and then you have Superman. The I think I think I could pull that off. Shoulder. But yeah. I'm not a real Superman fan, so that doesn't really work then. Okay. Because I mean, you're the, the whole point it of it. <laughs> but the whole point of it is, is it to, to look like someone or to be or to uh, to show off who you are a fan of? Who would you want to be? Is there a comic book or is there a, uh, a character in any of these TV shows that you watch that you, that you just love and you, you, you'd like to be that person? Who, me? Mm-hmm. Is there I any love of them Storm. I, I've always loved Storm. What? So when I dressed up as Storm, that was like me in the okay. inside. I kind of felt, I like that she creates like just controlled chaos. Right. She's like, there's, there's a tornado, there's lightning. That's the, the nature aspect of it is really cool to me and like the most violent form of, of nature. I'm into that. Controlled chaos. Yeah. You love controlled chaos. Totally. Absolutely. Well, this podcast <laughs> is controlled sister, chaos. That's my sister growing up. I think we need to. In uh, a yeah, nutshell, that's literally what, what I am, I think. Yeah. How so, often not was, was she that way How when she was How often was she dressed up as Storm? As a kid. I never saw Dress Up as Storm. Oh. I know, I dressed up for high school. Oh, okay. I don't know where you are. Dressed up as... You didn't uh, know where your brother was? As a medium-sized McDonald's fries. <laughs> oh, yeah, my mom kids. made me be McDats. <laughs> yes, McDats. You were a McDat? <laughs> yeah, and these had these huge foam fries coming That's out of That's one me. step away from McDowell's on Coming to America. <laughs> That's even one step lower is a McDat. <laughs> and she wrote in, in felt pen, McDat on the front, and I literally had to strap on this, like, red felt costume when I was french fries. I went as french fries for Halloween. Wow. You could actually do that. Like, Comic-Con is just so weird. People, like, there was just somebody dressed oh, up as I Mr. T. I could totally T. dress yeah. up as that. I could pull that costume out yeah, of our basement and just go as that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, New York in New York, you can pretty much dress how you want to dress. You can kind of be yourself here in New York. Yeah. But it's Comic-Con where you can really, like, let your, your freak uh, some, fly. Yeah. Some people you know? go crazy and it's just awesome. It's just a fun environment. 
So yeah, we got to come up with something okay. better than Clark Kent for you. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Do maybe you identify I'll be, with anything? Um, or any character? Anyone? Let's see. The one that I I don't know. I guess the one that I always liked the most was Green Lantern because it was his willpower that was, uh, you know, his superpower was his willpower. Okay. You know. Um, Plus, he was probably the strongest of all superheroes. I'd say Green Lantern was. Okay, I and mean, he was he was uh, close to a deity. He might as well have been more pop. He could he could formulate anything with that ring. So he was pretty popular. I, I was a fan of him uh, from TV shows. Let's see, I've gone as uh, Heisenberg. Nice. Yeah, that one that one went well. Um, let's see. Uh, I I think I might pull off Jon Snow this year. Nice. I, could, I think totally. I could do a Jon Snow. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that that could be it. Yeah. You know. And you've already Find got a sword, right? Yeah, but that's that's the Highlander sword. Yeah, I think right. I'd really confuse everybody. So, it doesn't look like Longclaw. No. So what right. what is your fascination with swords? No, it was just I think but you have a sword. Yeah, I do. I just I have I have that sword, but oh, I think okay, well. you know when I maybe when I was younger I. I, I I think it started with lightsabers. Oh, uh-huh. sorry about that, brother. I've had I think down. it started with a lightsaber. <laughs> okay. And when Star Wars came out, 1976, it came out and it, and it was it just kind of blew my mind. And I love the idea of, whoa, in the future, they're actually using this ancient technology of fighting with swords. Yeah, I know it's like a futuristic sword, but it's you're fighting with a sword. So I guess I just really became a bit of a fan of it. Not that I'm a, an aficionado, like I know, you know. Spanish steel and the, the the grain of the iron that's involved in is the it, steel is it swords, hanging but in your uh, place? No, uh-uh. it's in my closet. It's in your closet. Yeah, in case I have an invader. Got it. You know, it's, hey, it's I mean, much safer like a baseball than, bat or a dog right. or guns. But see or what guns. you do. He's got a sword. <laughs> got a sword. Yeah. It's kind of badass though. Put it in like your wall with that. This is yeah. this is also a Japanese katana, so you know it's like fifty five inches long. So in the small space in Manhattan, <laughs> I'll probably swing and hit a wall more than I would hit a, somebody breaking let's, in. Let's hope you hit the intruder, right? Or that you don't have any intruders at all, right? right. Yeah, let's right. go for that. Let's go for that. I like that better. That's a good play. There we go. I'll have to get like a ninja toe, which was those small. Swords that the ninjas would always wear. Yeah, just the little, like the little. It's just, yeah, it's just a little smaller. Right, a little more we got, we got, we got so nerdy. <laughs> yeah, we got so nerdy in the last like five uh, minutes. So Kyle did some awesome research. Okay. And we hope it's right. We hope it's right. So let me, let's ask you about this. That you were part of the 3 a.m. Willie Randolph firing when you were at SMY. Oh yeah, yeah. So what I made there? I made the decision that Willie needed to go, <laughs> and I just part it was like in the morning. In the morning, oh, I just God. like said. Look, this uh, is literally Fred, what Kyle wrote. This is was the time. a part of the 3 a.m. SNY Willie Randolph firing in See, but June you didn't, you didn't like say the SN- SNY I initially. didn't say the SNY part, right, but it's yeah. like SNY got together and decided that he needed to be fired. Did and SNY like, have that kind of pull with the Mets back then to just, like, fire managers? No. no okay. Um, yeah, so we were, I was working the overnight shoot. Well, not the overnight. I guess we're done at, at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. And I had left, and they had called me at 3 o'clock in the morning, and they said, You've got to get back here. They just fired Willie Randolph. Like, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm at home. I, how on earth? They, they just did it out west. He, they're not even flying him back from, from Anaheim. Right. You know, so we've got to do a special report breaking in in the middle of the night on SNY just in case anybody is, is flipping through the channels. So I had to put the suit back on and go in and, and, uh, and dig that story up. That was one of the more awkward firings I think I've ever heard of or ever been a part of at the end of every year whether it's football or baseball you know pretty much that a guy is going to be fired yeah you know the reports have come out especially nowadays you know the reports come out weeks it seems like ahead of time you know if they've even had a conversation about somebody getting fired right there are um, very little shocking yeah Yeah. moments like that. there really aren't any shocking moments that was the one that really just kind of you know well, on Hit you a like a West hook. Coast road trip. Well, was mm. so it wasn't even that. I mean, yeah, West Coast. But if I remember right, the Mets had just had like a convincing win over the Angels too, and like they weren't necessarily great, but they weren't like terrible. They were at like a weird middle ground, and it yeah. was just one of those like they didn't get blown out. So why are you firing the manager now? You're about to come home in like two days. Just do it there, and they just nope. You're done here. I know. I think that. I think maybe what they were trying to do. I think that this had been talked about the previous two weeks. Like, they were on the verge of letting Willie go. They knew that something had to change. They felt like, I mean, sometimes nothing to do with Willie. Willie is an amazing skipper. I mean, a great baseball mind, super respected in the clubhouse. Nothing Willie did was wrong, but sometimes that message just gets a little stale. It happens with every team. I'm always impressed when a a team keeps a coach or a manager for an extended period of time. Um, Sosha, actually, I think is the longest tenured manager right now. The Angels, um, is that right? 
How long? Let's, I'm not sure now, but know. nonetheless. Look it up. But yeah. um, when a guy is with a team for such a long time, you wonder whether or not you know their message gets stale. Uh, somebody like uh, Rex Ryan is a very rah-rah type of a college coach that really pumps you up. Yeah, it works guy. great for a first year. Yeah, exactly. Maybe for the second year. But then after that, it just gets stale. Whereas you look at someone like a Bill Belichick, who is monotone, flatline, business-like. Dusty Baker, I feel like that's Dusty. very much his. Yeah, yeah. Is. Tom Coughlin. Yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. Yeah, Tom Coughlin yeah. for 10 years Another with the Giants. Per- yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I, I don't necessarily, like I, we've said numerous times, I didn't think it was necessarily his fault that they no, didn't perform this exactly. year. exactly. And that, the perfect example, Tom Coughlin, a perfect example of a guy who maybe they just needed to hear a different voice. Maybe that's it. So, um, you know, those those do kind of shock you uh, every now and again, but you were pre- rarely do they You were pretty shock. deeply embedded with the Jets when you were at SNY. Yeah. What was your relationship like with them? Uh, I got along with a lot of the players. Yeah. And, you know, it's it always is a fine line as a journalist to try to figure out, you know, how close do you want to get to the players versus, you know, do you want to keep that journalistic integrity and not crossing the line? Yeah. But I always found that, you know, when you befriend the players, when you get to know them on a personal level – you find out a lot of things that are happening in the locker room and you don't use their information as source, mm-hmm. but you find ways to kind of gravitate your conversation in that, um, in that way. Two people might not necessarily be getting along. Could that have an impact on how the offense is running? Um, you know, the, the offense and the defense may really dislike each other. There was one year when the Jets' offense and defense were at, at odds with one another. Like, it was a, it was a major battle. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you find out little things like that that can help set the table for storytelling. But you never really reveal, you know, some of that inside stuff until – unless it really becomes an issue. And then you have something to go to. Then you have, um, you know, a wealth of knowledge, I guess, to go to. But building those relationships with the players is really important. They need to trust you. They need to believe that if they're telling you something, it's not going to appear on TV in a couple of hours or on Twitter in the very next minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, you know, they're they're your source of information of what's really going on with the team. You know, what they say on camera and what they say off camera are two different things sometimes. What's your proudest moment so far in your career? Wow. Um, I think it was this last year when we won an Emmy. We won mm-hmm. the Emmy for Best Sportscast. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, when you, I, it, I, I was never an awards guy and never really wanted to be one of those guys who spent money on trying to, to get nominated and then uh, going to these events and winning an award. But what I loved about us winning that award this year was that it was everybody in the sports department was involved in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the guy that was on air, but it, but Otis Livingston was, uh, out in, um, uh, Boston for Derek Jeter's last game. Uh, the producer, Joe McLaughlin, uh, McLaughlin was there. Um, Chris Scaglione, our executive producer, uh, was at the Jets game and he got Geno Smith cursing the fans. We got the exclusive on Geno. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the other producers that I work with, Mike Jimenez and Philippe Nascimento, were in studio putting the piece together. Uh, John Hess, our editor. And the fact that it was everybody in the sports department that came together, it was it was my idea of like a perfect award. Yeah. You know, Um it's you know the where you're the, the face tide. of it. All the people under you do all the work, but you get <laughs> yes, take all the credit. Now, right? you just <laughs> yeah. now you just nailed what it's like to be on TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fantastic, and it's really been awesome watching you. Uh, I got to know you a little bit at SMY briefly, yeah. but getting to watch you at uh, CBS has been fantastic, and you do an awesome job over there. Your oh, whole crew so does a really, really good job. And, and you know, every time I see you, I'm we briefly get to interact. You know, we kind of are, are passing ships. I at know City you're always Field. busy at City Field. Yeah, and so are you too. Yeah. So, but it's uh, it's really been awesome to watch you. And thank you so much for coming on our podcast. My we pleasure. really appreciate Great it. Hang with you guys. We end every podcast with an embarrassing story, but I'm going to take your live shot as an embarrassing <laughs> story, unless you have one that you can dig out. Oh, that was about as embarrassing that's, as it and, and that's a, it was a great story but an escape yeah I pulled it out you did it's, it it's kind of embarrassing that it happened like a magician but then you found like a great way to just get out of it by just like kind of playing a little bit ignorant just like what, what's going on I and the fact that you got props from one I of the OGs in the business right. is like pretty awesome too exactly. you get to be that able to say that out. yeah so Steve thank you so much uh, for being here we really really guys. appreciate it Thanks. and Austin thank you so much Kyle Connor thank sure. you guys so much for being here and let's go get a snack